Well, good morning again, everybody. Welcome to uh, our service here at Pomerado Christian Church. Um, this is a place where we hope that you just know that uh, you are prayed for, cared for, and loved before you walk into this room or before you listen online. Uh, that this is a place where we could get uh, help of one another, get plugged into the people, the purpose of the church, to get changed by God, to make a change in this world, and that we'd be called to be witnesses, that though far from God, those who are far from God would be drawn near to God because of who he is, what he's done, and how he loves. And so uh, we're excited to be able to come back together and another Sunday morning here. And so with that said, uh, I want to just welcome those of you who uh, maybe this is your first time uh, with us in a while. Maybe you're new to our series, uh, whatever that may be. Just welcome. We're so glad that you're here. And we truly believe that each person that is here right now in this room or listening online later is here for a reason, that God loves you. He wants to get closer to you, and that he has uh, a, an incredible plan because of the blood of Jesus that we have a right relationship with him. And so we're glad that you're on this journey with us this morning. Now, we are in our second week of a three-week series. I was thinking about this morning, like this is by far the shortest series I've done here. I always make them much longer. Um, so this week uh, is our second of a three-week series uh, that we're calling Resetting the Table. And it's this idea of how Jesus, how three meals with Jesus changed everything. So we're looking through the gospel of Luke at different stories of meals he had with people, what he taught, and how that impacts our lives, uh, how it impacted them, and how it continues to impact us. This idea that the dinner table is not just a fueling station to the place on the way to where we really need to go, but it's not a means to an end, but Jesus talks about how the banquet is a picture of the end. It is a picture of eternity, eating together, communing together, and having life eternal through Jesus Christ while having good food, and I'm okay with that. Um, so a quick reminder is that uh, last week, um, for our first week, we looked at uh, the story of uh, Luke chapter 5, the calling of Levi, and then we compared that to the prodigal son. And our main point for last week was that the most of us know that Jesus came for the sick, not the healthy. But most of us don't know how he defines the sick and the healthy. And we went into that last week. I'm not going to take a ton of time to dive into that, uh, but long story short, uh, the sick are those that are humble enough to recognize our own need for Jesus. The healthier are the ones that think that they could either be their own Lord and not need Jesus or be their own Savior and not need Jesus. And so if we come into a place of humility, come to a place of receiving and surrender, then we are the ones, you are the ones that Jesus came for. And so that's an exciting thing for us to be able just to dive into that. You can listen to that sermon online with either our podcast, typing in Pomerado Christian Church, or going to our website, pomerado.com slash messages. Either way, you can get caught up. With that said, I would like to ask you to join me in a word of prayer as we get ready for what God has for us this morning as we have our second installment of the series. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've invited us to your table that through the blood of Christ and his body that was battered, broken, broken, bruised, and torn, that we are able to have eternal life, that we have a seat at your table. So, Father, I pray that we would learn what it is you want us to learn today. I pray that as we dive into your word, that I would decrease, that you would increase, that you would speak in a powerful, personal, and impactful way with each person that is in this room or listening online. And I pray, God, that you would be glorified as we dive into what you have for us. We love you. It's your son's holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Now, as we uh, start our second sermon, um, I wonder how many of you are kind of 
We're starting to see the holidays change. It's amazing because it's like on Halloween, it's everything's scary. And then by like midnight on November 1st, everything's Christmas. Um, and so it's just this idea of it's, the holidays are changing. Uh, some of us are on, are on Thanksgiving break with kids and school, things like that. And I don't know about you, but it's kind of right around November. The time changes. Holidays are coming up. And then everything just feels like, okay, the next six weeks are going to be a whirlwind of busyness, of craziness, of hectic, all these different things going on. And with that said, I think there's times in which we want to be able to find things that will help us out, that will make things easier. So with Thanksgiving coming up, perhaps you're looking into, okay, we have to host somebody or we're bringing a dish to someone's house for the holidays. And so I want to find like a really easy recipe, something that is like, it's like too easy almost because it's just so simple. And that would make it quicker, that would make it easy, and that way we're just able to be able to still have something delicious without it being stressful. Well, I think that's a great idea. The problem is that I have a hard time following very easy instructions when it comes to food. Um, about one, during our first or second year of marriage, um, Steph had to bring some brownies to her um, to her workplace, and she was tired. And I thought to myself, you know, I'm, I'll, I'll take care of it. I'll, I'll help out and I'll make the brownies. And it's one of those where this is not like brownies from scratch. This is like there are three things that you need. You need water, you need oil, and you need eggs, and you need to not mess it up. Well, I. Anyways, so we ended up, she went to bed, and I started, like, mixing everything. I put things together. I put it in. I put it in the oven, um, and I just started looking at it, and the way I, best way I could describe it is that it looked soapy, and what I mean is, like, it was, like, kind of bubbling up a little bit, and I was, like, I don't, I mean, I don't know what I did wrong. Uh, Steph kind of, she was kind of half awake, and I'm, like, honey, can you come look at the brownies? They're soapy, and she's, like, what? Uh, and so she's like, it's fine. And so she, she ends up getting up and she looks at it and she's like, did you forget the egg? I'm like, yep, that's what I did. I forgot the egg. There were three things that we needed and I forgot a very important thing. And she's like, oh, it could probably be salvaged. And she tried to poke at it and it was like a brick. And so it's one of those where we just kind of had to surrender to the fact that this was not working. And, and so I kind of cut it out because it wouldn't come out. And I ended up just like pouring it into the trash can. I just heard like a thump. And I'm like, oh man, so bad. And so being a very, trying to be very helpful, but completely missing something that was vital to making this successful. And it was one of those where it's, it's just, it was humbling. And now Steph does all the cooking. Um, I'm really good at macaroni and cheese and top ramen. Um, but with that being said, it's just the idea that you know, I think a lot of us are looking for things like we're so busy, we're trying to be helpful, we're trying to maybe do something well, but sometimes we can get so busy that we can miss something or we're not paying attention because our mind is elsewhere, we're thinking about other things that we're missing the point. We're missing a common vital ingredient for, for what we need in our lives. That we could go about and be about many things while still missing the main thing. Maybe for some of us, it's just this idea that we know we're going to have to uh, be at work a lot extra because of the crazy season. Maybe work in retail and we think, okay, my hours are going to be insane and I hope that I see my family. Or these ideas that we're just so busy with so much stuff and so many things, especially in this season, that it can feel so overwhelming to the point where we might miss out on that, which is the main reason for this holiday. Not for us to buy more gifts, but to recognize the gift of who Jesus is. 
Not for us just to be thankful uh, that we have good food, yes, but to be the one, thankful to the one who gave us a good life. Not for us just to be excited about buying each other's presents, but recognize the importance of the presence of God's Son in our lives. And so we recognize that as uh, Pete Scazzaro mentions here, we're going to go into this uh, story of Martha and Mary in Luke chapter 10. And he says this, he says, in every generation, Christians have written on this balance of Mary and Martha in our lives. They all sound the same thing. The active life in the world for God can only properly flow from a life with God. That it has to come from a being before we go into doing. And so our main point for today is that when we spend all our time working for God, or sorry, yeah, working for God without spending time with God, we are in danger of missing the point. When we spend all our time working for God without spending time with God, we are in danger of missing the point. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. It's page 1615 in the church Bible. If you have your own Bible or if you have uh, an app that you're using, uh, that's great too. But we're going to be in Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. And, and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the first couple of verses. And then we're just going to read a, a line at a time or so because... As we talked about these two easy steps, these two easy recipes, while still missing the main ingredient, we also have this idea that there are ways to miss the point in five two easy steps, and for your notes there. And as we look at this how to miss the point in five two easy steps, we're going to be looking at the story of Martha and perhaps seeing our own story in the midst of it. So I'm going to start uh, the beginning of Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 39, and then we'll go from there. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. You know, we'll, we'll stop there again, going slowly, but... Pete Scazzaro, who uh, a lot of the stuff I'm indebted to him from his book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Um, I mentioned last week that Prodigal God would be by Timothy Keller is one of the books that I would recommend. Emotionally Healthy Spirituality is another one of those um, by Pete Scazzaro. Um, and so I can give you more information about that later. But a lot of the quotations from here will be coming from that. And a lot of the action steps will be coming from that book as well. But what Pete says, he says that Mary and Martha represent two approaches in the Christian life. Martha is actively serving Jesus, but she is missing Jesus. She is busy in the doing of life. So far more important than eggs and a brownie, far more important than that is not missing Jesus while working for Jesus. And so let's look. What's the easy steps and how to miss the point according to the, ver to, according to the passage? Luke 10, 40, part uh, A says this, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. So number one of how to miss the point in five two easy steps is to get distracted by what has to be done. Just by getting distracted by it. There's so much to do. There's so, many on my, so much on my plate that instead of keeping the main thing the main thing, we, we get distracted and we lose sight of what that is supposed to be, that we're supposed to focus on. Warren Wearsby, a, a theologian I'm indebted to often, I have, I have his commentary, I love it. He writes that Martha's problem was not that she had too much work to do. We all have a lot of work to do, 
right? We can acknowledge that most of us are very busy. We have things going on, whether it's at work, whether it's at, with friends, whether it's at home. It's not that we have too much work to do, but this is it. She said, but that she allowed her work to distract her and pull her apart. She was trying to serve two masters. She was trying to serve, oh, I'm serving Jesus, but what I'm really serving is the work for Jesus without, without being with him and staying and communing with him. And so if serving Christ makes us difficult to live with, then something is terribly wrong with our service. So if we're saying that we work so hard and we do everything like, oh, I do this all for the Lord, but then we're just mean to everybody, but we're laying that down at the altar, it's like, yeah, but you're just mean, then that's missing the point. It's missing what we're trying to do. The next thing we see is in the next part of verse 40, so number two in your notes, says, Martha, she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? This is the idea that another way for us to miss the point is to make our, your frustrations about someone else. That instead of owning the fact that we're stressed and saying, okay, I need to slow down, I need to, I need to take some minutes, it's like, but look at her. That those moments in our lives, we say, well, look at him, look at her, look at what they're doing. How, how come... It's their fault that I'm stressed. It's their fault that I'm going through a hard time. Making our frustrations about someone else and in so doing, we're shifting the blame in the same way that Eve tried to say, well, it was Adam. Or rather, Adam tried to say, hey, it's, it's you know, the woman you put here with me. She's the one that did it. She's the one that took a bite. Whereas Adam needed to step up and say, God, you told me and I should have done it. And ever since then, it's easy for men to not stand up and to be passive. It's another sermon for another time. But this idea that we make our frustrations about someone else, we play the blame game, say, Jesus, what about, what about Mary? How come she's not helping me? And then the third one is that this is what she says to Jesus, tell her to help me. The third easy step is that if you start telling God what he must do, there's a chance that you're missing the point. That if we start to say, God, you owe me this, God, this is what needs to be done and you need to do it, then what are we doing? We are then putting ourselves back on the throne, putting the crown upon our heads and saying, God, I got this. You're clearly not good enough at this job. I'll do better. Which is, again, dangerously missing the point. And so this idea that Pete Scazzaro says, one of the surest signs of her life being out of order is that she even tells God what to do. But I'm sure none of us have done that. I'm sure none of us have had our own opinions of how God should run, not just our lives, but the whole world. And I'm sure we've never been so busy that we wouldn't stop, that we failed to stop and just sit and hear and trust that he would increase, that we would decrease, that his way is better than our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. So high above the heavens of the earth is the way that his thoughts are above our own. But still, we must know better. Number four. Verse 41 says, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. How else do we go fall into these two easy steps is that we become worried and upset about many things. That we, we think that all of this is up to us, that we get stressed and we allow the emotions of what's going on everywhere around us to cause us to lose sight of who is with us. And then verse, uh, number five is verse 42 when Jesus says, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. So then what we do is that in order to have fallen to these easy steps that we lose sight of what's needed most. 
We lose sight that we think that our identity comes not from whose we are, but from how much we produce. From how good our report cards are when we're younger, for how good our reports, our quarterly reports and our numbers are in the workplace, how, how high standing our hierarchy is with, okay, I'm better than this person, I still need to catch this person, and, and we think that what we do determines our value. When in reality, our value is not determined by what we do, but it's in whose we are. Our value isn't just in what we can produce, our value is in how much someone was willing to pay for us. So if God was willing to pay the price of his son dying on the cross, how much value do you have, not in what you've done, but in whose you are and what Jesus has done for you? And so Martha's problem, as Pete Scazzaro says, Martha's problem goes beyond her busyness. Her life is uncentered and divided. And he says this, I suspect that if Martha were to sit at the feet of Jesus, she would still be distracted with everything on her mind and the phone in her hand. Oh, that's not on there. <laughs> but this idea that even coming before Jesus, maybe we have our quiet times, but whenever there's a, a text message that pops up, we say, hold on, Jesus, I'm in the middle of something. Or we look and we see a, some sort of notification that automatically takes us away from time with God to, oh, I need to address that email. I better make sure that I put that on my checklist for today and make sure that this gets done. Again, finding our value in what we do rather than whose we are. And so I wanted to rattle those off kind of quickly because I wanted to share this past week a morning in which I missed the point drastically. It was a time in which, uh, I don't know about you all, but when you've had young kids or if you're in that season, sometimes the, the craziest part of your day is like the 20 minutes before you're getting out the door. And you're trying to think of everything. So for me, I was just, I was stressed out. I had to get everything ready. So I was distracted and I had a lot of things on my list. I had to pack the gym bag. I had to make sure that I had a lunch. I had to make sure that um, everything was ready, that, let alone the fact that the girls still had to get ready. Shaylin still had to get her shoes on. We still need to make sure that we had food for them. We still need to make sure that our, the lunch and everything was packed. And Steph does a great job with that, but it doesn't mean that these aren't the things that I'm running through in my mind. And so one of the mornings, it, had, it was just a stressful day. And I ended up just being super distracted. We end up going. She has, Shaylin brings her breakfast into the car so that she could eat on their way, which again is another sign that life is too busy. Um, but then we're eating in the car. And as she's trying to get into the car, she spills her breakfast into the car. And maybe your cars are perfect and pristine, but my car is not good enough for my daughter to eat food once it falls on the floor. So it's one of those where I was just like, this, we got to get, get rid of this. So I grab the, I grab the food and I'm upset at you. I'm like, why couldn't you just put it down? And then I go into the, uh, the house. I get the breakfast. I come back in and I'm about to buckle her. And I realize that the water bottle for her lunch or for her snack wasn't there. So then I go back in. I think, I'm like, honey, we you forgot to put the water bottle in. She's like, I'm sorry. I'm like, it's fine. And I put the water in. I end up going in and I drive to the school thinking that, okay, now God, I need you to help me out here. I'm going to tell you what to do. I need to make sure that all these lights are green. I need to make sure that I get the right away. Not only were the lights not green, but there was actual power outage over at Forest Ranch. So I was just stopped and I'm like, oh, God, but I'm the one on the throne. I should know. But it's this idea of completely missing the point. And I remember driving to school and looking at my daughter in the rearview mirror and just seeing the sadness on her face. Because daddy was not nice that morning. Daddy was being worried and upset about many things. He was trying to tell God what to do. He was being distracted by what had to be done. Daddy missed the point. 
And daddy had to apologize and say, honey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I, I responded this way when I'm stressed. I would blame, I blamed her for spilling the cheese, or I blamed Steph for not filling the water when it was about me. My frustration was about myself. So you look at these five all too easy steps for us to miss the point and check, 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 check. But thanks be to God, that's not the end of our story. So let's take the next last few moments we have here together to, to flip the script a little bit and not to miss the points in five easy steps, but how do we get the point? in five not-so-easy steps. This is hard. This is going to be a hard thing, but this is like the application time of the sermon. This is the time where we learn, and then we start to see how God might be stirring within us something that we need to change so that we don't miss the point any longer. So how to get the point in five not-so-easy steps? And the first one is a Sabbath. Sabbath. We write that down there. And on the notes, it says taking a 24-hour period to get rid of distractions and to trust God with what has to be done. So instead of getting distracted by what needs to be done, it's eliminating distractions and it's trusting God with what needs to be done. And I know that many of you, you say, okay, but this is impossible for me to take a Sabbath. I've talked to people where it says Sabbath is, is impossible. I can't do it. And I understand that it's busy, but it's important because God actually put that in the Ten Commandments too. That that's probably one of the Ten Commandments that we break the most often. We may not murder, we may not bear false witness, we may not commit adultery, we may not do these things, but many of us break the Sabbath. And we break the Sabbath, because why? Because we think that our value comes in from what we do. We think that if we produce enough, if we stopped... If we stop for 24 hours, then where's the productivity? Where's that thing that I get lauded for most at work? For getting things done, for being that person who can solve problems, for being the one that's available. And Steph and I, we've started taking a Sabbath since about January of 2017 when I read this book and really wanted to take it to heart. And so from like Friday around nap time to Saturday at nap time, it's a 24-hour period where we're not doing a ton of chores. I'm not answering emails. If you send me an email on those days, you'll get a, an out-of-office reply, not because I don't care, but because I'm trying to just let you all know that I'm not going to be around all the time and that that's Okay. But if we don't take a 24-hour period to get rid of distractions and to trust God with what has to be done, we're going to fall into the all-too-easy steps of thinking it's all about what we produce. And we're going to become just like Martha in that regard. Pete Scazzaro talks about Sabbath in this. He says, the core spiritual issue in stopping, that the word Sabbath comes from the Hebrew word, part of that includes the idea of stopping. Part of that core issue of stopping revolves around trust. Will God take care of us and our concerns if we obey him by stopping to keep the Sabbath? Do we trust that God still has our back when we stop working? Or do we think that if I were to take a Sabbath, the world would fall apart? That I still have my crown on my own head, I'm still sitting on my own throne thinking that I cannot take a break because if I do... Rome will crumble. So that's one idea. Sabbath, taking a 24-hour period. I know it's hard, and it takes work. We have to do laundry early on Friday to make sure that the laundry's done later on Friday. Or we need to just adjust different things. We need to make sure that our grocery shopping is done early on Friday so that when Friday afternoon comes, 
You either take a nap, pick up Shaylin that she doesn't have to worry about homework during the next 24 hours, that we set it aside and it's work, but it's work in order to rest. Where we think that we need to work so hard and we have this unhealthy rhythm of work, 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 work. Oh, I'll take a little vacation. And then, oh, we always feel way more refreshed when we come back from vacation, right? And then all of a sudden it's work, 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 work. When God has created in the Ten Commandments and the Bible and everywhere this work, rest, work, rest, work, rest. It's how we were created to function. But we fail to function in the way in which we're created. Number two, the prayer of examine. The prayer of examine. Then what this is, is you reflect on the day in prayer so that God can reveal why you got frustrated. So instead of pointing the blame to other people and saying the, blame, the frustration is with someone else, it's having these moments, usually, not always, usually at the end of the day, called a prayer of examine, in which, imagine for me, when I, have a, when I have a time to talk with Steph, what will I do when it comes to our day? We'll ask each other about our day. We'll ask each other what happened. We'll ask each other like how we felt, like what was happening, what was going on, what was stressful about that, what was happy about that, what was a high point, a low point, and you're just evaluating your day, and you're talking about it and how you feel about it. The prayer of examine is very much like that. Pete Scazzaro defines it. It's not on your notes, but Pete Scazzaro talks about it. Imagine that at the end of your day, you are having a time with God, and, and you're praying as if you're watching a DVD of your day. You're watching a replay of it, and you say, where were the moments that I felt God just so clearly, and it was life-giving? Where were the moments when I missed the point completely, and I hurt those closest to me? And it's just this an evaluating prayer came from St. Ignatius of Loyola. And so if you want to just, if you have an iPhone, you can always look up, there's an app called Reimagining the Examine. That's the app that I, I have on my phone. I'll be honest, I don't do this all the time, okay? So this is not, I do all these steps all the time. I need to get better at it. But here are some tools that might be able to help you. So reimagining the examine um, is an app that could help. And there's others as well. But Pete Scazzaro says that our goal is to love God with our whole being, to be consistently conscious of God through our daily life. Whether it is when we are stopped like Mary, sitting at the feet of Jesus, or active like Martha, taking care of the tasks of life. Again, it's not that we don't do tasks, but we don't define ourselves by those tasks we've done. And it's this idea that we have this evaluating moment where we're constantly or consistently conscious of how God is working, what he's challenging us with. When was it that I was frustrated and why did that bother me? When was I rejoicing in God's goodness and why was that so special and how do I praise him for that? How do I not just focus on the negative, but how do I praise God for the positive as well? Number three, another not so easy step, especially in our day and age, is silence. Listening to what God wants to do in you. So instead of telling God what he must do and bossing him around, going on the throne, it's, it's taking off our crown, casting it down, and it's just to sit at the feet of Jesus, saying, God, what is it that you want me to do? What is it that you have for me? And not doing that thing where we talk the whole time telling him how much we're going to listen, but to actually sit and to listen. Like if I talk to Steph and it's just like, honey, I'm really excited to listen to what you have to say. Like, I cannot wait to listen. Let's take some time to make sure that we listen. And then when you're ready to talk, I'm going to totally be listening right now. And then we just, let's just do that together. And then I'll tell you when we're, I'm done listening. <laughs> but just to sit and be still in silence. 
God does not speak in the earthquake or the wind or the fire. He speaks in that still, small voice. But sometimes we need to be still enough to hear it. So Pete Scazzaro says, Mary, on the other hand, is sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to him. She's being with Jesus, not doing. She's being with Jesus, enjoying intimacy with him, loving him, attentive, open, quiet, and taking pleasure in his presence. That it's not a quiet time that we just say, okay, I need to read my my one chapter and I'm going to pray my 13 prayers on my prayer request and just check it off a list. It's sitting in silence and letting God do what God needs to do. Letting him heal those moments of brokenness from the previous day. Letting him breathe life into us. When we feel like maybe we're just a bag of dry bones, but Ezekiel 37 talks about how he breathes life and brings us back to life. The silence of listening to what God wants to do. Number four, another word that may not be as frequently known to us is the daily office. Daily office. And this is to stop throughout the day to just be with God. Daily office. Stopping throughout the day to be with God. Pete defines, it says, the word office comes from the Latin word opus or, quote, work. And for the early church, the daily office was always the work of God. So instead of the office just being that place I go to get productive and do things, it's this idea that wherever I am, I can stop in the midst of the busyness. That in the, and, and with Catholic monks, there's like five to seven times that they would stop. That we see David, he would stop seven times a day to pray. That there are times in which, I, I know of, uh, a friend who lives in the area, that he has off, the office at the office. That ele- every day at 11.45, he reads a devotional by this Pete Scazzaro, and he and his office come together, and they just stop. They pray. They hear a scripture. And they focus so that the distractions around them don't make them crazy like Martha with her head running around with so many things in her head. Just to be still and to be with God. Even if it's five minutes, but five minutes of slowing down, of being in the presence of God, can take away the tension, can take away the frustration, and can recalibrate us. It can reset the table for us to recognize what's most important and what the main thing is rather than getting distracted about many things. So the root of the daily office is not so much a turning to God to get something, but to be with someone. I would, I would equate this to the idea that how nice it is when I get a text from my wife throughout the day, just like, hey, thinking of you. It's just stopping, saying something like, hi. And it's enough to be like, oh, she's thinking of me. Or sending them to her as well. But it's this idea of, it's, it's not like it's a constant all the time stopping and not getting anything done. It's just, hey, in the midst of the craziness, hey, I just want to let you know I was thinking about you. If we just, in the midst of our craziness, just stopped and said, God, I'm thinking about you. What do you have to say to me? What, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to be? The daily office allows us to stop multiple times throughout the day. So Pete Scazzaro would recommend that you do it either in the morning and the evening, or sorry, the morning and the afternoon, or the afternoon and the evening. It doesn't matter. You could do it five times a day. You could do it twice a day. The purpose isn't in how many times we do it. And then that would be us finding our identity and our productivity and how, and how good we are doing. But instead, it's are you stopping to be with God? And then number five is scripture. To meditate on God's word, to keep God's thoughts and her, 
and heart and sight. So instead of losing sight of what's most important, it's meditating on scripture so that we can keep his heart, we can keep his thoughts, keep sight of that which is most important, to keep sight of the main thing becoming the main thing and not losing sight of it. And so Warren Wearsby says it is vitally important that we spend time, quote, at the feet of Jesus every single day, letting him share his word with us. And the most important part of the Christian life is the part that only God sees. It's not the part that we get credit for because we're serving so many hours at the church. It's not the part that we get credit for when other people can see how good and holy we are. It's the part when we're in our prayer closet. And we're in the place that no one else sees, and we're just with God. So, you know, this season, again, we're in a crazy season. And so for you, sitting in your chair, we just gave five too easy steps to miss the point and five not so easy steps to get the point. And, and so as you look at both of those things, as you have your notes here, This is a season that provides so many opportunities to get frustrated and upset and worried about many things and busy and distracted by those things. And so I'm going to ask you for this week, especially when it comes to Thanksgiving and in the midst of this time, to look at those first five steps of missing the point. And as you look at those first five steps of missing the point, identify the one that you need to work on the most. I could say, hey, let's get all five of them done within the next week. But is that realistic and is that going to be fruitful? No, because we'll try to do everything at once. And if you try to do everything all the time, always, you end up not getting a lot done for very long. So what's the one thing out of those five? Is it you're too distracted by what needs to be done? Is it the fact that you're blaming somebody else? Is it the fact that you're telling God what to do? Is it the fact that you are just getting worried and upset about many things? Is it the fact that you've lost sight of the main thing? Lost sight of what's needed most? Lost sight of being like Mary, just sitting there at the feet of Jesus? So maybe you need to circle that. Maybe you need to pray through that. Maybe you're going to do the prayer of examine tonight. You're going to process that. But take a moment to look at those five and work intentionally work on what it looks like to combat that. And hand in hand with that, in lockstep with that, looking at the five steps of getting the point and identifying the one that you want to start to implement. And even though it's not a perfect one-to-one ratio, if you're saying that, oh, I really struggle with the idea of, of number two and making my frustrations about someone else, then maybe what you need to do is number two in the how to get this right step, and that's to do the prayer of examine. Because then it makes sure you're evaluating. It's not just about someone else. It's about what am I struggling with and, and how do I allow God to work in me in that. So maybe you find one that is connected to the other one that's, op- that's an option there. Maybe it's something completely different. Maybe you know you're distracted, but what you, really need to know, what you really know is that you need more time in scripture. You just need to memorize verses. You need to be in the word of God and read it slowly, not to get a check mark off of a list, but so that God can do a check on your heart. And so whatever that may be, that's something that you need to work on, that I need to work on individually, that you need to work on, and maybe share it with someone. Share it with a friend. Share it with someone so they can pray for you, come alongside you, hold you accountable, whatever that may be. But for this week, just to start that process of what is the first one that we need to get rid of, what's the spiritual practice that we want to implement? Because the truth of the matter is, is that we use Mary and Martha as as two opposites, but we are still called to do good things for the Lord, and we're called to be with God. 
We're called to work for him and be with him. It's not an either or. It's not that we just sit at his feet and never do anything. And it's definitely not that we work all the time and never be with him. So Charles Wellesley, who's a, a, a famous um, hymn writer, says, uh, he quotes it in the song, says, Faithful to my Lord's command, I still would choose the better part. Serve with careful Martha's hands and loving Mary's heart. That it's both and, not either or. That it doesn't mean that if you just, if, if someone needs help and you are driving by and someone's like, oh, I need help. Like, I'm so sorry, I'm sitting at the feet of Jesus now, can't help you. Right? It's this idea that we still need to do heart and actions together. And that is an act of worship. That's a casting down of the crowns. That is putting God on the throne. That is recognizing that he needs to work in us before he works through us. That when we spend all our time working for God without spending time with God, we are in danger of missing the point. So may we evaluate ways in which maybe we're missing the point, figure out ways to implement how we could get the point, and in so doing, being the kind of worshiper, being the kind of disciple, being the kind of man or woman who is so fully devoted to Jesus that, yes, we do awesome things, but we do awesome things because out of the overflow of our relationship with our awesome God. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for who you are, and we thank you for your word. Thank you that it is living and active. Lord, I thank you that this is a passage that for many of us we've heard before, and, and it's not sometimes the... Sometimes the truths we need to hear are not truths that are, quote, new to us, but they're truths that you are trying to dig deeper into us. And so, Lord, I pray that, um, Holy Spirit, you know every single one who, who uh, is in here, everyone who's listening online. You know their hearts. And I pray that we would have ears to hear and hearts to respond to your stirring, Holy Spirit. Things we need to get rid of and things that we need to implement to take hold of so that we can be that fully devoted follower of you that does good things, but not because we find our identity in the good things we do, but we find our identity in the good God whose we are. And it's out of the overflow of our relationship that we serve. So slow us down this season. Help us to be thankful for you this season. Help us to lift others up in this season and help us not to miss this point in the season. May we sit at your feet and Spend time with you rather than just working for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this morning, we're going to come forward and I'll be ready to pray if you would like to pray at all. Um, respond however you need to respond. Stand, sing, sit, pray, talk to someone, circle something you need to work on. I'm not going to dictate how you worship and how you respond. But in whatever way you need to, let's worship together as we close our service in just a few moments.